it's funny like fast forwarding to like now I'm in a place where I'm learning to love my body in a more general sense so like now it's less so about my body compared to other people's but it's like accepting that my my soul my spirit is here in this physical mm-hmm. container mm-hmm. and just this whole thing of like I am not my body but I'm also not separate from it welcome to the body protest in this podcast we combine storytelling and science to better understand our relationship with our bodies I'm Honey Ross and I'm Nadia Craddock and this is season four. Three, two, one. <laughs> I'm body, body protesters. protesters. I forgot what we said for a second and it's like oh my god I've, I've lost I've forgot my line. Line? I mean the fact that we lost it at the three two one is uh <laughs> it's a new it's a new record for us but it's well, uh, I think we can be forgiven because it is the last episode that we are recording of the year. And we are tired. Absolutely. I feel like, I yeah, I can't believe we're here. But also, what a year. What a year. We've made it through. We've made it. I'm so proud of us. Like, I am so proud of us for making the podcast, making it through, making it through together. I think we've made some, we've had some really wonderful chats. I know we have more to come. I don't know. Like, it's that weird thing of like, end of year feels like. I know it's, <laughs> it's not it's not the end of the season but it is the end of the year but I, I know exactly what you mean in terms of it being like I want to do a recap of all of our wonderful conversations our wonderful guests but it's like we're not there yet I think also because we have uh spoiler alert or I don't know if it's a spoiler but like I don't know insight to the podcast we have recorded all of our episodes so I think we mentally are like ah, oh, <laughs> we have finished but there is there is more to come <laughs> yeah we are like cleaning our desks up yeah, we have a really special episode today, but I would like to get you to introduce it, Nadia. Yeah, I absolutely love, love, love this episode and our guest. We spoke to Bronze, who is someone I met at a Vogue workshop a few hmm, months ago, maybe now at this point. I haven't done Vogue for a long time. It's been a couple of years, but I went along, I just saw it and was I felt really drawn to it and it was a time where it felt a little safer than than right now to be out and about and being in a class context um being you know it was we Omnicon didn't feel is it Omnicon I feel like Omicron? I said it wrong each time. Mr. Omicron. Omicron. Yeah Mr <laughs> him. <laughs> I don't think it had quite landed so yes yeah, so I went to this class and just felt really connected to bronze and they were so generous that even in the workshop sharing a lot of their own experience and relationship to Vogue and to ballroom, perhaps more specifically, a little bit of the history about ballroom. And it's something that I've always really wanted to get on the podcast to have a bit of, of that conversation because it's been something that's been really meaningful to me, but but not really knowing how to how to do that and connect it in a, in a way that feels feels right. So yeah, I'm just so glad that Bronze was able to join us. I was so excited when they said yes. Well, no, it was like, it was, a, you were like, should I ask? Like, are you, yeah, I, I was very, very nervous. Nervous. You were like, I don't know, maybe I will, maybe I won't. Like, it felt like it was like, it felt like a blind date. Like, it was very exciting. Yeah, I was very nervous to ask. I was like, oh no, then I don't know, I don't know. Um, I've only obviously met them once, and um, but I'm so glad I asked because it's a beautiful, beautiful conversation. It's such a beautiful conversation. And I think it's so, I'm so glad we finally get to have a conversation about Bogey and Ballroom because I, I like, I want to ask you a question on this, but like, I think it means it, it's been a part of your life. And I think every time we have conversations on the podcast about like community and queer community, I always look at you and think about your experience in Ballroom and like and having that community. And like, 
I'd love to ask how you got into ballroom because I feel like it is a whole like it's like your secret identity of like your kind of like your dancing background it's very like you know it's beautiful and magical yeah of course and I think I've always been a bit shy about talking about it because it's it's also trying to navigate if it's something that is something that I should be talking about or and does it belong to other people more but as Bronze was saying and how they articulate their relationship to Vogue is very much like speaking from your own experience and and what it has meant so I used to dance a lot as a kid as you know like that used to be a very big part of what I did and like my identity and then I then was very unwell for a very long time and I just completely closed that chapter and then the year before I started Vogue or found Vogue or found Ballroom was I was living in the States and that year was quite pivotal for me and was a big part of like my eating disorder recovery and I gained quite a significant amount of weight in that year which was good like that it's not a bad thing but it was definitely something that I kind of gained the weight and my mind hadn't quite caught up yeah with it it's a significant thing especially like on the recovery journey yeah yeah and it was I looked visibly very, very different from the start of that year to the end of the year. So then, um, but anyway, came came back and there was, it was interesting in terms of how I found it because it wasn't, I wasn't looking for Vogue specifically, but I was looking for community, I think. So I had moved back to the UK. I didn't really have a network or any friends where I was then living and working and so I thought I just need some hobbies I've only really made friends through hobbies before and so I was like okay let me let me just do it and I was doing loads of different things and then came across a Vogue class and loved it I just I think it felt really good and it was really the first time I'd danced in any kind of meaningful way probably in about a 10 year period and not and it was dancing not in a way to feel to like to be to be good at it but to to kind of feel in my body and I think it was it allowed for a lot of exploration in my body which was really important at the time and and it was such a huge part of community for me and I'm talking about it in the past tense because it's it's not something that I do now I think for 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 many reasons I'm a big champion and advocate of the ballroom community it meant so much to me I think lots of different factors come in and I think we'll still support it still I love going to balls but I think I got to the point maybe where I was like I'm never gonna walk a ball which is which is fine which is fine <laughs> I think looking back at it is something that was such an amazing thing to be part of and to experience and so I think that's why I just wanted someone from that scene who's in the scene in a more active way than me I always felt that even when I was doing it was very much on the periphery like I was not in a house I was not in like what I take away from hearing you talk about this is like it was such a pivotal time and space and it was something that offered you one a reconnection to your body and two a reconnection to dance and how all of those things are so symbiotic and like it just gave you a space to be able to one and also having that community support like to me it feels like everything that we've always talked about on the podcast that that time in your life embodied that yeah completely and it was community first and foremost like that was like the biggest piece the dance piece was was secondary but in a way that was very helpful to me in terms of like feeling in this like new body and a body that I had not been in before and trying to work out how that might feel and it kind of gave me a little bit of a space to explore that a little bit 
in a like very supportive way. Getting to meet that new version of yourself through joyful movement is really liberating and getting to you know we always talk about like how healthy it is to see a body in motion and like to see your own body moving just to come to terms with it it's so it's it's an incredible tool yeah completely and i just yeah can't wait for everyone to listen to what bronze have to say yeah so i guess i will start where we met because i'm always like where do i start which is at a vogan workshop that was teaching in bristol which I suppose has been a big part, if not the main part in many ways of my life in the last five or six years or so. Uh, so like, yeah, voguing um, and ballroom. Voguing being like a dance-based art form that comes from that community and culture. Um, so I've been like in more later years, like teaching and performing um, in earlier years, obviously just like learning, meeting people, discovering, uh, myself most of all. My house name is Ablo, named after the late Virgil Ablo. We opened the house a couple years ago and then it was like lockdown pretty much straight afterwards. So it's been very much given house of reflection and internal growth. <laughs> yeah, from London, based here until Friday. I'm moving to Glasgow. Yeah, I need newness, new environment, new space. It's very dense here in London both because it's London and also because I've been here for most of my life. And I just, yeah, I feel myself expanding and I need the space to do that. So I'm in this kind of big question mark phase. <laughs> yeah, wow. I didn't realise you're you're moving up, but I completely hear you on like sometimes just needing a change of scene and and like having like a new chapter. I think that's exciting. It can kind of, it can give a new spin on things, right? Yeah, very exciting. Oh my goodness. I don't know if you can hear that rain, but it is really hammering <laughs> in at my window panes it's like quite alarming <laughs> really happening over here so bronze you obviously mentioned ballroom in that intro and and how we met which was i hadn't been to a workshop or anything like that for a long time so all through the pandemic and it was just such a wonderful experience so i wonder if we could have a bit more of a conversation about ballroom the ballroom scene i wonder how you first got into it and talk a little bit about what ballroom means to you as well. Sure. Yeah, whenever I do workshops, I'm always like, it's really important to like talk about like the history and the culture. Mm -hmm. Obviously, both so people can learn, but also I found for my own integrity. But at the same time, it's also overwhelming because it's like we could sit here and talk for a few days and then still only cover like a tiny bit. So I found it, yeah, helpful to just start, I guess, from my experience, which ultimately is all I know. So, yeah take everything just like with a pinch of salt and it's just like my experience my perspective so yeah I just always like to say for anyone who wants to know about ballroom and vogue in, ask as many people as you can so I guess like when I was 21 like literally on my actual birthday <laughs> I was sitting around surrounded by my friends my family like all these people I love having nice food having a drink I just had my first tattoo and and it was really interesting being in this space where I was like, oh, I kind of like have all the boxes ticked, but I'm still unhappy. So like, I guess for background, the kind of 10 years or so before that, like roughly, I've been suffering with like uh, depression, addiction, um, all these kind of like physical ailments, um, I guess relationship issues, you could say, which arguably everything's a relationship issue. <laughs> yeah, all, all these things which would come in waves and it was, yeah, that was like a turning point for me because it was actually like the next day 
I asked my mom for the number of this person that they'd mentioned a few weeks ago, um, who was like, oh, I find it hard to describe her, but like, yeah, like a healer, a, a guide, a coach, a naturopath, homeopath, a multidisciplinary, amazing person. But essentially, I started, yeah, to work with her. Um, and she was the first person that I remember, but definitely like professional or someone that I like trusted that was like, all of these th issues you have are connected for one. Um, and secondly, that there's nothing like bad in you that we need to like cut out or get rid of. It's just changing a relationship with these things, deciding what to take on and what to leave behind. Um, and essentially that was the first time in like a while that I had hope that things could change as well as like an actual way to do it. So it wasn't just like, oh, I know we'll get better, but how? It was like, okay, cool. Um, fast forward about a year later is when I started Vogan. I honestly don't know how. I mean, I know now it was like, um, you know, just the way the universe works. I remember seeing this movement in the background of a music video. I had no idea what it was, but it was like, had this resonating feeling. Like I could just feel it in my body. Like I got goosebumps and my best friend basically we both like had kind of like contact i guess or like an awareness of vogan without really knowing what it was and yeah vogan kind of drew us towards it and then i just at a point worked up the courage to like look for a vogan class which like even before that like i went to like i went to another dance class somewhere because like i was really i basically spent a year like from 21 to 22 trying to rediscover passion and joy and creativity and just all the things which I'd lost along the way and just kind of had been doled out by like depression and drugs and just bleh. So there was a lot of classes I didn't go to. <laughs> It'd be like just getting out the door as a challenge, but yeah. And then through there, through the classes, I met other people in the scene, uh, started like going to like practices. I think the oddball here and there. I don't know, I just felt called towards it. I guess like initially like the movement side of things. Um, but then through meeting the people, it was like the first place I found community, not like right away. Like I found like people I resonated with and like friends who um, later became family. But as I yeah explored, I guess, the scene and found like other queer, black, gender non-conforming people, which I didn't realize how much I was missing until like I found it. Um, not to, I just want to jump in and ask, do you remember what the videos were where you saw yes. the movements? Um, so the first one was, oh my God, it was by Leif, 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 Leif. I think it was, there was doing a little, what now knows like hand performance. I think it was soda. I think it was soda. And okay. then there was another music video, Wavy by Mickey Blanco. I mm. think there was like explicitly voguing in it. Um, there's like one point where they do like a backward hand roll on the table, but that was more, but like essentially like seeing someone who I just like felt this, like my lens, my soul, my everything just like expanding yeah. and just been like, oh, wow. Cause I'd always been in, I've been blessed, like truly blessed through even the darkest times to have like these angels in my life, whether it's like a person on the street or whether it's like a friend, like I'd always like change social groups that like, kind of every year not methodically but just because like i would change or get bored <laughs> but there would always be like i would connect like 80 percent with 
that group or those people, but then I would always be like, feel like the only this or the only that. That there's always something holding you back from giving that full 100 in those connections. In a way, or if not giving, I think I would often like give 100 or often give too much in fairness. Right. And not feel it reciprocated. Or just not feel it like seen. Like I think people would often like appreciate it and get it like to the best they could. So it wasn't anything to do with them. Like they were loving people. But like, I don't know when there's like, I think the thing I found through uh, in ballroom is like having people who I just didn't have to like explain a lot of things to and like things which I thought were specifically to do with me, but were actually say, for example, to do with um, like a queer black experience, which like isn't like one thing, but yeah. Cause I've always known, well, I've always like felt like I was a weirdo and was already always like felt othered for one thing or another, which had its pros and cons, but it was just, yeah, a big step in being able to discern what was actually to do with me and what was to do with like people's perceptions of me. Yeah. yeah, I I I hear that and I think I think a lot of people also would be able to relate to that to some degree in terms of feeling like they're not not seen fully by by the people that they're around and and not necessarily that it's anything to do with them but trying to work out like where you fit in the world. Mm. I think that's like a like a perpetual struggle, right? Trying to work out where where we all belong. So I'd love to talk a little bit more about about ballroom and the the different vogue categories for people who don't know so who are who are, who are perhaps less familiar and then maybe hear bronze from you how you connected to the dance form and maybe to the particular categories and what that might might have meant to you so yeah again like everything is just like a very like skimmed overview <laughs> <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> i guess yeah my way in was through voguing uh which is like a performance category um in ballroom I guess like ballroom itself evolved from drag pageants. So if you think, yeah, like pageants, like competitions where you, again, depending on who you ask, either show your best self or like an image of yourself. But like, yeah, within, I guess, this specific community, which is like a, yeah, LGBT community. And then ballroom itself, like modern ballroom is essentially considered to, I think, generally have started when Crystal LaBeija... I'm really bad with dates. <laughs> so I'm going to say, I think around the 60s, basically was like tired of the colorism and white supremacy um, in that scene and space. So she went off and I guess, yeah, started her own thing for like black and Latino and PSC. <laughs> and this is again, my dates. <laughs> yeah, Vogan basically essentially, my point is like, it wasn't there at the beginning per se, like it came around later, it kind of evolved from runway and fashion and because like even the name like Vogue Vogue magazine is considered to have come from there's like two kind of origin points that I've heard one being Paris Dupree um, coming out on the runway with a Vogue magazine and imitating the poses to the beat another being that it came from uh, like started in like prisons which I guess could both be true and this is often the thing I found when like doing research into this stuff like because even if you go back into like the OGs that are still around, like people have very different stories and they're not necessarily always conflicting, but yeah, I guess people have different experiences. But that said, there's also the difficulty in, I guess, archiving or passing down this information because it's largely, I guess, like an oral tradition. Like it's passed down, yeah, like through word of mouth and through experience, like through being there. Um, and 
in part because I guess I'm here in London as opposed to in New York where arguably more so, actually definitely more so um, because of the amount of people that were like, in my opinion, in my personal opinion, murdered by the AIDS crisis and by people deliberately not doing anything, um, which has been, yeah, a large part of like the loss around many things, but also information. And yeah, so category wise, I get, yeah, there's loads and loads and loads of categories and always like ones being changed, ones being added, ones being lost, etc. But the main kind of groups you have like face and body with a lot of categories, it's pretty much like what you have and then also how you sell it. Um, and also these things are all like so subjective because like people, some people tell you like, oh, you have to have this for face, you have to have this for body. And then you'll see someone getting a grand prize who ain't got that. And like, but then, and then we've also got like the colorism and the white supremacy and the misogyny and the, everything that's in the outside world is also in ballroom. And yes, face body. Then you have realness, um, which is, uh, yeah, I guess essentially about convincing the judges that you are your straight and or cisgender uh, counterpart, which like is, I guess an extension of like what a lot of people like lived and still do live through daily, um, which like a lot of us do to some extent in terms of altering how we present and act in the world for survival, safety, comfort, etc. And then you have, yeah, like the runway categories. Um, so the fashion categories, um, which sometimes will be like about, you'll have like different ru actual runway walk categories. And then some will be there's like eyewear and shoe wear categories where it's more presenting the garments or what you've made, la la la. Then yeah, performance categories, which is what I guess has got the most reach mainstream wise, which yeah, voguing falls under. So yeah, with voguing, there's like three main styles nowadays. Old way, formerly known as pop dip and spin, which I prefer the name. Yeah, like, because Vogue before has been called performance. Um, it was originally like poses, poses, and more poses, which evolved from like, yeah, doing a runway walk composing at the end. Yeah, and then New Way. So basically around the 90s, I guess, is where it split into like, it's kind of three category groups. Because you'd have like the new, newer school, newer generation of people walk in who started more and more to do things quite differently. So to judge it fairly, both because like some people like, even the movements were just like so very different. Like a common feature is stretch. So like contortionism is actually like flexibility. And I guess also looking at how like the influences of Vogan was very like influenced by pop culture at the time. Like what people aspire to, what people dreamed of or excited to be, what just in, yeah, influenced them. So as that changes over the years, so does the, has the movement. And the music, which is also like these beats all feed into each other. So I was like, all the way, new way. Then Vogue Femme, which was originally, I think, called Femme Queen Performance. Femme Queen, again, there's a lot of nuances to the term. It's generally used in short to mean trans women. But like, it, yeah, again, like it, there's more to that because the categories would often be split by like gender slash sexuality groups. Um, within Vogue Femme, there's like two kind of main styles. You have Soft and Cunt, which is like, to me, like it kind of gives like, you can see the roots of old way more. Um, it's more, I don't know as the name would apply yet, yeah, soft, like flowy, like uh, gentle, but also still fierce. 
and then dramatics, which is like a lot more, I mean, as the name implies, dramatic. Someone described it really well to me uh, at a talk once. It's Daniel Revlon, I believe. And he said, soft and cunt is like the girl or child in uh, the mirror, like wearing her mother's dress, like looking in the mirror, like feeling all cute and sensual. And then dramatics is like the one waiting for you outside of school to fight you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's a very non-exhaustive intro to the categories. <laughs> no, thank you so much. That's amazing. Because I know there's so much in there. We could we could have like long in-depth conversations about like any yeah. one of these, like <laughs> <laughs> one of these topics, but really appreciate you giving us a bit of an overview. And like, which one do you resonate with most in terms of like category, which one which one speaks to you? Yeah, it speaks to you and your body, right? Yeah. And how you move. It's a super interesting question at a super interesting time. Because <laughs> I'm okay. I, like, yeah, like, as I prepare to like, jump into hyperspace with this move into Glasgow, but really another dimension of my life and myself, I'm finding, yeah, like with performance, creativity in general, Vogue and Ballroom, everything, I'm just in this like, who and what am I and why space, which is really good because it means that I can find out. I remember when I came in, I think the first, well, the first classes I went to were New Way classes. That's all that was like I could find at the time. So I was Benjamin and Milan's New Way class. And then at that class, I met Maya and Diva, um, Diva Mugler, who I guess is like my first ballroom mother. Shout out to Diva. Um, the way they were moving in the class was very different. I now know it was old way, but I was just like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, yeah, that's that's for me. Coupled with, interestingly, at the same time, I would watch, I looked up like videos of the different styles. I saw a new way and I was basically like, I love that actually, maybe the most, but I can't do all that shit. So that was a limiting belief that made me choose that. And then similarly with Vogue Femme, I was like, oh yeah, that's really cool. I was like, I don't feel uh, feminine or like flowy enough to do that. I think this is interesting looking back and being like, I was like, yeah, I can't do that or that. So I'm going to go with that. Whereas do you think in this kind of liminal space you're in now of like this period of transition, are you thinking about entering new categories and maybe pushing yourself and trying? Yeah, I'm kind of so, so it's interesting because I was like doing new way classes, then going into old way practices. Also, like, I personally believe like voguing is voguing. There are different categories, but like every person's style is different if they're like really getting into it. Like, because you'll often find... As with a lot of dance styles, as with a lot of creativity, as with a lot of life, people copy, which like at first is obviously how we learn. It's like how we learn to speak. Um, but then it's really taking that next step and the vulnerable, scary step of like being like trying new shit. So I guess like in terms of balls, like I pretty much most of the time walked old way. But at the same time, when I'd be like, I'd be like Vogue and Femme, either like at the club or like in like at my friend's houses just I guess like, like when we would just be like fucking around because I guess I felt like more I was just like exploring it and I felt more comfortable there my body definitely felt different in those spaces interestingly and in more recent years I've walked a couple of times folk fam I think because I've just come to this place where I'm like fuck it I'm just gonna walk what I feel like but also I think because it's also been something that even though I've been comfortable with Vogue and Femme for like a while, it's not something I've wanted to put myself in the space of competition because there are pros and cons to that space. And it is like, even like with New Way as well, like 
walking it at a ball is like kind of like different to all other aspects of doing it in a way because like there you're going to like actually like compete and be judged and whatever um so like i would not walk away right now but the way i found like i naturally move in some respects like has elements of like what like new way so yeah i guess i'm just kind of in this space where at the balls like i'll pick a category when i'm teaching i will clarify the categories but i've just given myself permission to move however the fuck i want to move i'll go in and out of like voguing to step in like i haven't got names for half the way i move interestingly like people often ask if i have like a contemporary dance background which i don't um voguing was like the first time i kind of found anything but like through opening up my body in this way meeting others who like move in all these different ways it's kind of been i guess something that i've learned a learn through others in that language way and also like just i guess discovered and awakened to myself i feel like it's i think something like my dad told me about like focusing less on like learning something and more on like learning how to learn the thing if that makes sense so like as i've yeah i feel like i'm in a place with movement now where like if i actually put the time and effort in i felt especially like in more recent years more clearly there's like it's definitely something moving through me it's not something i'm doing when i try to do i feel blocked struggle but once i power through and just let go and get tired there is something teaching me well i love what you said earlier about it's almost like you're trying to communicate in a language mm. a physical language and it is you know you're telling a story with your body i also would love to dig into something you said a minute ago about how you felt different about your body in the space you're in and we we've spoken about this on the podcast before the, the groups of people you spend time with that can completely change the way you feel about your body in that moment yeah and i'd love to ask a bit about like what does it make you feel to be in that space and how do you feel when you walk a ball it's really funny like because like yeah asking that question i have like it's something came up in my mind where i remember i was basically i was telling someone how i at south bank center they have like a space like a cloakroom foyer where like dancers could come and move about and not make too much noise but essentially like i was noticing how i was feeling uncomfortable moving in certain ways or feeling it more natural yeah just noticing resistance and flow in terms of how i would move for example there i found it i think easier especially when i was on my own to do more kind of uh old way sort of movements and i just use this in terms of comparative terms like but like masculine as opposed to like say feminine for me my old way is very much influenced by like martial arts and like almost like hip-hop breaking vibes like energy wise and i was saying this to someone and like because i was like feeling a bit i was feeling some type of way about like how i was yeah struggling to like just like be more feminine say in that space but they said something along the lines of like you know you communicate differently with different people so like we're going to sit here and like talk in a certain way but like the way i might sit and talk with someone else is going to be different and no one is necessarily more or less authentic than the other i guess it's just being honest in this space and it's also like i guess yeah it's make, making me also think of like something brene brown said about how like essentially people almost like earning the right to like receive like a certain part of you like i'm not going to like necessarily go out to a stranger and just open up about like really intimate details about my sex life i actually might funny enough <laughs> for example 
because it's like, yeah, disclosure not being the same as vulnerability. So like me doing those movements in public is not necessarily the same as me doing them around certain group of people. And yeah, when I'm in balls, I think it's just everything is a lot more exaggerated. So because there's a lot of energy and I've realized like how sensitive I am to energy that for me initially is often quite overwhelming. So I'm just very much like, I'll go around, get used to the space. They'd be like, oh, hey, 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 cool, cool. And then, you know, shit myself like five times, um, stuff as much food in myself as I can before I lose my appetite, drink loads of water and then be like, go to the toilet every five minutes. So it's like a whole, it's almost like a trip. <laughs> Where it's like you're cleansing. And like I used to like resist that, I think at first, both at balls and just in like large uh, social situations. But have since been practicing just kind of sinking into, you know, if I feel kind of introverted, just being there. It's been like, I don't have to interact with people. I don't have to speak to no one. I could just mind my business. Um, I think what's challenging for me has been focusing. Because if I'm focusing on walking, I can kind of do that. But then it's also, it's a social environment. It's like, you know, some people I only see at these places and it's moving between those different energies, which has been challenging, but I've learned a lot. But yeah, at its best, it's like an amazing space to like, once I get into the flow, to be able to like feed off people's energy, to be in a space where people see you, understand you, support you. Um, and, you know, even though some people at the same time are going to be like, whether you're battling or whether it's just because they ain't like you, they're going to be, <laughs> they're not going to want you to succeed. But then it's almost feels just as good if not better to like be in that space of like okay cool all right i care or to yeah to be able to interact with that and just be in a space where you feel like just feel your best self but yeah at the same time it can go either way i think yeah I, i've often preferred moving in clubs because then i'd have to worry about the competition side of things i think also with balls yeah, it's, there's so many elements to it. When I've gone to balls and I've not walked, it's also been equally as amazing. A ballroom isn't like where you just kind of sit beside and just do nothing. It's like very much like it gets you up and the more you give people, the more they give you. So it's very much like an active, active spectator situation. From an outside perspective, it does just seem like such a vibrant, ever-growing kind of beautiful community that just... It, it seems like a community like no other in so many ways, especially how you've shared, you know, so generously about your experience in there. But I love how um, the ball community just seems to be constantly evolving and like language changing with it. And it's, you know, it's a really special thing. Yeah, it's interesting. I think it's like, uh, like at least for the length of my journey, I came into it actually much like the kind of space I'm in now, whereas like, almost like not instantly but pretty much like a whole life makeover like the healing work I was doing I was re ready to move away from a lot of just energies in my life which like again not specifically to do with people or places but it was like I guess I realized like looking back I'd done a lot of trauma bonding yeah I guess like Vogan and well, well like ballroom um and everything became like yeah like most of my life <laughs> Um, both in terms of like how I was discovering myself, like socially, how I was meeting other people, um, like the people I was hanging out with, the things that motivated me. Yeah. And I don't know, it's, yeah, it's been an interesting journey because like everything, there's like pros and cons. Um, there's like as much shadow as there is light. Um, it's also, 
a I guess yeah when you also have like a group of people who have um, experienced you know trauma or challenges or oppression in their personal lives and also in the systems that we're in ballroom can be a space to like work that out and heal through it but also that healing is often not so deliberate and very messy and I think like over the years like it's almost like every year sometimes several times a year I have this like massive like disillusionment where I'm like oh yeah that's that's actually what's going on and like because we subconsciously project so much onto these things like hopes and fears realizing what's about me realizing what's not about me and even just like yeah the community or the the scene here is again that's a whole feature-length documentary (laughs) coming soon but yeah (laughs) it's very complicated and complex I would say I just don't want to rose tint it (laughs) i think that's very important it's you know what it's so good to show the light and the shade and everything you know that's life isn't it it's life is complicated yeah and voguing is as they say an evolution of shade um like it's yeah it's actually still like a battle form so like even yeah it's interesting i always think of it as like there's these two halves or these pillars which like contrast but also complement each other you have the competition side you know the shade the battling is actually based around the i am like wanting to be better than someone else it is the competitor yeah. um even if you approach that which mine often is just ignoring them and then you have the community side which is like the house system which is like um i didn't really mention earlier <laughs> but it's like yeah call to ballroom because yeah what we call houses it varies from house to house, but it's some combination of like a family, a team, essentially like a team when you're on the floor, a family when you're off the floor. Like it's obviously both of these in both spaces, but it did originally start as like literal houses where the mostly mothers, like so um, femme queens, drag queens, trans women were taking LGBT kids, like literally off the street, like who'd been like kicked out their home, X, Y, and Z. Um, taking them under their roof and raising them in the actual house. So, yeah, this, I guess, idea of like, or this practice of queer queer family and uh, alternative, say alternative, but like, yeah, support systems. Yeah, when you look at the house side of things and the competition side of things and the categories, like it is essentially a creating of things, like creating our own version of things that we have been excluded or restricted access to externally which yeah i often find like quite ironic how much it at the same time as like transcending these other systems in a lot of ways often then also like replicates it which then yeah can also give you a way to heal and face and deal with these things so like it can be like really vicious of balls before we even get into the politics which is yeah people's personal fuckeries and there's no objective judging obviously but even just like objectively judging the categories like can be like really harsh um but then it can also give you a way to i guess it's that thing of like encountering these things in a safe uh not safe because there are no safe spaces space outside of mainstream society so that when you go out so for example i feel like if i see a group of people and they all look the same like for me personally that's a trigger but like when i'm walking or just walking down the street and i'm wearing god forbid a crop top let alone anything else um or just x y and z like i now literally put myself in the mindset of i'm at a ball i'm walking runway i'm focusing i'm looking straight ahead um and it's a way then i can 
not just deny or shut out or avoid, but actually like go into like a feeling of strength and express a different part of myself in that moment, which I found for myself, yeah, really helpful, which a part of getting there has been getting chopped at balls. So we really love to ask this question on the podcast and feel free to kind of go as deep as you want to or not, like completely whatever you're comfortable with sharing. But we'd love to know a bit more about what your relationship was like with your body growing up. I think I think it was like pretty much fine until like 11. I think like around 11 is or like I don't really have many memories before seven. Um, essentially, I think like. Yeah, I remember always being, I guess this counts, like being like teased for like my hair a lot, um, which I guess it's interesting. I feel like that's obviously about my body, but it was at a time where I didn't feel so separate from my body or didn't like think of it in that way. So yeah, and I remember definitely like, I'm sure there's like times I definitely wanted like my body and my hair to be different. Um, I had like a what still have I don't it's like hard to see but like a white streak of hair in the middle and you know like the dumb things kids will like tease you for and it's like oh it's this oh people like often like mistake me for a girl um which like didn't bother me so much like the fact that they thought I was a girl so much as it was like they're making fun of it or the oh I thought you were this and it's like well I'm not so here we are but no I think it was really secondary school when like I really uh, definitely noticed wanting my body to be different. I used to hate my nose, I hate my forehead, skin color. Um, I wanted to be, you know, Jack Skellington from Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. Like that was my role model for a while. I was like, I want to be taller. I want to be at least six foot. I want to be skinnier. And I was even skinnier than now. Like um, it was interesting. I would off like for a while think I was fat or call myself fat because that's what I had learned to equate with ugly. My hair was always like a source of, I didn't, yeah, I was like, I didn't know what to do with it. I wanted it to be different. I wanted it to be like straight and blonde. Yeah, it was an interesting relationship with my body as well, actually. Like, as I'm saying this, I'm just remembering so much, which initially I might not attribute to body, but like obviously is. So I would like often self-harm as well, um, like cutting, which again, like casting my mind back, I don't think it was so much around hating my body so much as using it to express my anger but obviously there are like conscious and subconscious layers to that um I remember like deliberately choosing to start smoking regularly as like my way of I think somewhat being like fuck you to life but also like inadvertently being like fuck you to myself and like because I didn't want to just I didn't have the guts to just end it or obviously the drive and so this was kind of my like slow way of killing myself very consciously um and I think, funny enough, like in a way, depression, I think like a lot of these things for myself um, are just ways of, yeah, they're like a, a way, it's a way I like learn to cope with a certain, with life. Um, so like it in a way helped me give less of a fuck. Like I wouldn't say that like I like started to love my body more, but I started to accept it in a way or like resign myself to it and just be like okay cool because <laughs> i know there was definitely like a peak of just being like oh my god hating my body specifically but then it started to dip 
And it's funny, like fast forwarding to like now I'm in a place where I'm learning to love my body in a more general sense. So like now it's less so about my body compared to other people's. Um, cause like there's so many things I appreciate about my body and there's, um, I also appreciate the differences in other people's, but it's like accepting that my, my soul, my spirit is here in this physical mm-hmm. container mm-hmm. and yeah, just this whole thing of like, I am not my body, but I'm also not separate from it. I actually like right now, uh, healing from some like fresh tattoos. I got my hands retouched and these new ones are my face. They're gorgeous. Thank you. Yeah, it's also interesting in terms of like my journey through like gender and sexuality and all of the things. There's definitely been times, like yeah, many times I've asked myself, you know, would a medical or surgical transition make me feel happier? I pretty much always get to the point where it's like, there's not one for what I feel. <laughs> and yeah, I've been noting how like my tattoos in a way have been, I guess, my version of my transition in terms of it's like, as I engage more with my body and through either whether it's tattoo or through less permanent things through, I don't know, like dancing, like Vogan, sex, massage, bath, um, pleasure, chocolate. Um, and how, yeah, like as I engage with it, I, feel more a part of it and it's interesting the same practices can do the same thing so like food is like a i have a i'm healing through a very addictive uh relationship so at the same time food can like bring so much like pleasure and connection with my body i've also in the past used it a lot to distance myself from my body like to numb it's so powerful i think in terms of how you're you're expressing all of this because i think we project so much emotion onto our bodies and so how we then relate to it can be so different and it's how as you said like even just with food could be it could be a positive thing it could be a negative thing but how much that connects with how we are feeling more broadly but yeah I just think that that's so powerful and the whole thing about like your spirit because I mean we've met in person once right but I so remember first time I've been in a workshop for a couple of years you came up to me you sat right down beside me I was a little bit like I have not been (laughs) in one of these places for a long time and I was like oh do I really fit here anymore I'm not sure but you came you sat like right down right beside me and I think like we spoke for like I don't know like five minutes or something but like just to have that like instantly open connection is something that I instantly feel that is a gift of yours and then how through like the proximity of bodies that like you came down you sat right down beside me and then it's like it's I don't know I, I don't know really how to express it but it's like how um you kind of use your body as well to to express who you are as as well and connect with people yeah I guess that is something I've been it's, it's too interesting you think seeing things you said uh which made me think both yeah like the body as like a tool in a sense but also like a it's like where I'm at, like where I am location wise, mm-hmm. not necessarily like I don't have to identify with it, but I often like <laughs> paraphrase the Course in Miracles. I say paraphrase because I'm going to be quite again or wrong. But like um, it talks about using the body like to communicate through, but not mm-hmm. to. So like reaching through my body, through another person's body into them. And like this is like, yeah, these are like points where we meet. And also how, you know, like on the one hand, it's like we're, 
you know, I believe like we're all connected and like time and space is, is an illusion, but also to the extent that we are invested in this illusion, which like we all are to some extent being in these bodies, there is like a power in, say, like you said, physical proximity or the way, like I've, I've definitely felt so viscerally like emotions release sometimes by doing mm -hmm. certain movements, mm -hmm. stretches, and I'm yeah, realizing just how much I've been like, <laughs> yeah, this last couple of years have been like a really intense, like part of my, I guess, spiritual awakening. And it's been a lot coming up um, and it's got very overwhelming um, at points where it's like, there's so much. Um, but then this body, which like, and sometimes I find myself being frustrated with how simple or basic or restrictive it feels, but then I'm really just starting to just scratch that tip of the iceberg with how much information is stored mm -hmm. in here and how, you know, helpful it is to, the same way we use a computer, like there's so much in this computer, mm -hmm. I don't understand. <laughs> And it, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like how much information can come through it through the internet, but we use it to communicate with other people. Likewise in my body, it's like, I don't have to understand it all, but just kind of like trust it, accept it, use it. And to the extent that I allow myself to be open through it is I guess to the extent that it will allow itself to be open, et cetera. It's exciting. It's interesting. <laughs> That's so beautiful. I would love to ask, um, I saw that you had done some life modeling um, or life drawing. And we talk about that a lot on the show of how important, you know, like it can really improve your relationship with your body and just the kind of feeling of embodiment and also how other people see you. Um, I'd love to ask how you got into that and how it makes you feel about yourself and in your body. I will start kind of recent times and work backwards because it's, Again, like, <laughs> it's one of those things, it's like, whenever I start a chicken, I'm like, oh, but the egg came first, and there was a chicken before that. I, I think, yeah, I really like life model once. Um, yeah, and that was, yeah, so the first time a few weeks ago, through to be or not to be collective. I don't know what kind of drew me towards it, honestly. I think just, like, in this last couple of years, I'd really had time to just, like, explore new things and revisit old things, revisit old things in old ways and new ways. And just, yeah, cause like I've done um, sex work before on and off and I've done, I guess I've like modeled informally. Um, like I've like been the subject of photos and then also like performance wise. So like through all these things um, have, I guess had a explored using my body in like, different ways publicly and privately um also like in terms of nudity and like sexuality and just all these things so yes I've had exploration there and I think just life modeling was like yeah just I think something I wanted to try I have I think like movement has been a like exploring movement has been a really powerful way for me to discover a, a language which feels natural to me because as much as I love um, words and enjoy the kind of dancing with words that is poetry I guess like yeah dancing for me like with the body is just like poetry with your body yeah it's funny like often things have like only really clicked with me once I've like understood it in a movement perspective and sometimes that's been things I can put words to sometimes not but yeah, I think the life modeling was a 
new and vulnerable thing for me both to be because i've noticed on shoots when i'm like just like posing stationary for photos like i felt a lot more uncomfortable than like if i was like dancing um so like i guess that's kind of out my comfort zone in that respect even though ironically the movement style i do does involve posing <laughs> um i think also yeah being like in a room full of people like strangers naked and strangers that I was not about to have sex with because I think there is for me like a certain level of comfort or power or x y and z that I feel like I have more have had more experience with in like sexual encounters than if I'm just like walking out on the street naked yeah. <laughs> and not just to be because I walk around my house naked so like even if there's like guests over I'm just very much like hey but then when it's like okay cool I'm standing in front of you and like have to just be there I think it was one of those things that I think it was like, like with many things, the scariest part was everything up until that point. And then once I'm there, it's kind of like, oh, I think also like one of my deepest fears, um, which is like very like nuanced, but like, is like getting a boner in public. <laughs> so then that, then once I was there, I was like, I beg this not be the time. <laughs> Which, like, both um, literally, but also symbolically, I've realized has been related to, like, shame around my sexuality. And what was, I think, really powerful for me was, like, yeah, that part of it, like, the maybe more obvious part, like, you know, being a naked in the room and posing. Um, although, because, yeah, you move from pose to pose, and it's, like, you do, like, say, a few one-minute poses at the beginning. So, like, I quickly, through, like, moving, was able to, like, really, like, get into my body and move from that space of being aware of initially often I'm like focused on what the other people are seeing like when I'm feeling watched versus when I'm focused on what I what I'm feeling what I'm presenting you know what I mean and yeah so I guess coming into like a more first person experience um but then seeing the artwork people did I think was almost the more powerful part for me both seeing how differently people, the different aspects of me people captured um, from like one position. And that was really powerful, both to see myself in A, different ways, B, in terms of like ways I didn't know people even saw and C, just, it was also inspiring from a drawing perspective because um, that's something I've been rediscovering for myself. But it was like one of the ones, one I loved so much. Um, it was like, it just captured such a specific aspect of myself, which I couldn't even put into like anything beyond drawing. I would definitely recommend it um, 100%. And yeah, you don't, like you can also like life model in your pants. So you'd have to like jump straight in. But there is something about being, as, as you are naked, vulnerable and open with your body, so too that will have an effect with your with your mind with your emotions um whether immediate or direct or not it's so interesting to hear you talk about it and funnily enough both honey and i have have life modeled <laughs> as a one-off so it's <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're in the class. <laughs> very comfortable like just taking our clothes off um Bons, we could talk to you all day and just have loved this conversa <laughs> conversation but yeah i think probably time to wrap up and just to end we'd love to know for both for us and but also for our listeners how we can support you and support what you're doing or oh just champion you in general because of the space travel I'm about to be embarking on, um, I have like no 
plans for anything past Friday. Um, so the best way is to, I guess, follow me on Instagram, which like if I'm ever doing stuff, it'll be on there. Um, so it's growing through it, like going through it, but just with an R. And we'll just all send you good luck for your move. Yeah, move. <laughs> yeah all the good energy coming your yeah. way through through Zoom. Basking in it. <laughs> and the thumbnail has like suddenly come out. So I hey, oh my god, you truly, you're in the, like a golden hour. Yeah. Yeah. What happened? It was pissing oh, down a second ago. <laughs> I know, I know, but it's it's out and oh. I can do the, the light yeah. shine through We're you. living vicariously through you. Bronze, thank you so much again. You are an angel and thank you for sharing. It was so wonderful. Thank you so much for listening to the Body Protest podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this episode and it would mean the world to us if you could rate, review, share and subscribe. You know what to do. And if you're left wanting more, why not check out our new Patreon for some exclusive bonus content. You can now also drop us an email at thebodyprotest at gmail.com. This podcast is produced by the sensational Daisy Grant and our dreamy music is by Eve Garland. And our new Knowledge Noodle jingle is by Zane Morris.